Shalom, my dear brothers and sisters. We are going to continue with our study of the book of 2 Corinthians. And I would like you to open the Word of God, if you are able, to 2 Corinthians chapter 10 in this session together. And we are going to read all the 18 verses that are found in 2 Corinthians chapter 10. And so please follow me. I'm beginning with verse 1. Now I, Paul, myself beseech you by the meekness and gentleness of Christ, who in presence and base among you, but being absent and bold toward you. But I beseech you that I may not be bold when I am present with that confidence wherewith I think to be bold against some, which think of us as if we walked according to the flesh. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not walk after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare's are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imagination and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ, of Messiah. And having in a readiness to revenge all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. Do ye look on things after the outward appearance? If any man trust to himself that he is Christ's, let him of himself think this again, that as he is Christ's, even so are we Christ's. For though I should boast somewhat more of our authority, which the Lord has given us for edification and not for your destruction, I should not be ashamed. That I may not seem as if I would terrify you by letters, for his letters, say they, are weighty and powerful, but his bodily presence is weak and his speech contemptible. Let such an one think this, that such as we are in word by letters, when we are absent, such will we be also indeed when we are present. For we dare not make ourselves of the number or compare ourselves with some that commend themselves, but they measuring themselves by themselves and comparing themselves among themselves are not wise. But we will not boast of things without our measure, but according to the measure of the rule which God has distributed to us, a measure to reach even unto you. For we stretch not ourselves beyond our measure, 
as though we reached not unto you, for we are come as far as to you also in preaching the gospel of Christ, not boasting of things without our measure, that is, of other men's labors, but having hope when your faith is increased, that we shall be enlarged by you according to our rule abundantly, to preach the gospel in the regions beyond you, and not to boast in another man's line of things made ready to our hand. But he that glorieth, let him glory in the Lord. For not he that commendeth himself is approved, but whom the Lord commendeth. And I will stop here in the reading of Second Corinthians chapter 10. Well, beloved brothers and sisters, and my dear friend, we have entered into another section in Second Corinthians. In these last four chapters, chapter 10, 11, 12, and 13, the Apostle Paul speaks really directly to those who have accused him. Earlier, even though things have settled because he heard uh, they changed their minds and their thoughts concerning the Apostle Shaul Paul, and uh, he's now, beloved brothers and sisters and dear friends, he moved from chapter 8 and chapter 9, where he dealt with the grace-giving and the believers giving to the Lord's work and to the needy in Judea, in Jerusalem, from among the Jewish people, he is now is presenting the challenge to those that really were, in a sense, earlier rebelled against the Lord and against him and were accusing him. So Paul is now challenging them, but he does it very graciously. According to Second Corinthians, this chapter, chapter 10 and verse 7, there we read, Do ye look on things after the outward appearance? He's asking them. Notice a little bit in verse 10, some of them, he said, For his letters say they, this is the Corinthians, those who rebel against him, are weighty and powerful, but his bodily presence is weak and his speech is contemptible, they said, some among the Corinthians about Shaul Paul. Uh, we read in verse 12, For we dare not speak ourselves of the number or compare ourselves with some that commend themselves. Apparently some commended themselves in the, among the Corinthian believers in the local assembly. In chapter 11, Paul is mentioning, again, he will speak directly to those who opposed him and rebelled against him earlier, he said in chapter 11, verse 4, For if he that cometh 
preaches another Jesus whom ye have not preached, or if ye received another spirit which ye have not received, or another gospel which ye have not accepted, ye might well bear with me. So he's speaking specifically to some from among the Corinthians that he needed to just kind of challenge them, but Shaul Paul does so graciously. So, Paul boasted always in the person of the Lord Yeshua, Jesus the Messiah himself. He didn't boast of himself, but he always boasted in the person of the Lord Jesus the Messiah. Remember at the end of chapter 9 we read in verse 15, Thanks be unto God for his unspeakable gift. Paul was so overwhelmed with the gift that God had given to all humanity. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth on him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Paul never boasted of himself, but he always boasted in the person of our Lord Yeshua, Jesus the Messiah. In fact, in Romans chapter 5 and verse 11, we read, And not only so, but we also joy in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom we now have received the atonement, the reconciliation. He is boasting always, beloved brothers and sisters, in the person of the Lord Jesus and not in himself. In Galatians chapter 6, to the Galatians, he said in verse 14, But God forbid that I should glory, save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, of our Lord Yeshua HaMashiach, by whom the world is crucified unto me, and I unto the world. Paul always boasted in the person of the Lord Jesus the Messiah and not in himself. In Philippians chapter 3 and verse 3, For we are the circumcision which worship God in the Spirit and rejoice in Christ Jesus, in the Mashiach Yeshua, and have no confidence in the flesh. Paul always, throughout his ministry, he always boasted in Yeshua, Jesus, the Messiah. Remember in Romans 1.16, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, of the gospel of the Messiah, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believe, to the Jew first and also unto the Greek. So when Paul is uh, approaching the Corinthians, he is reminding them that he never really boasting of himself, as some assume that he did so, but he always boasted in the person of the Lord Jesus the Messiah. In fact, the enemies of Paul boasted in themselves. In 2 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 12, we do read, beloved brothers and sisters, it says, But what I do that I will do, that I may cut off occasion from them which desire occasion, that wherein they glory, they may be found even as we. In other words, they were glorying in themselves, those that were accusing Paul, and Paul wanted to remind the Corinthians that he comes to them, not in pride, 
not in self-exaltation, but in humility and in uh, simplicity, beloved brothers and sisters. This is important to understand. I just want to read one or two more verses in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, where in the first letter he wrote to them in the first few verses of 1 Corinthians chapter 2, he did say to them, And I, brethren, when I came to you, came not with excellency of speech, of wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ, save Yeshua HaMashiach, and Him crucified. And I was with you in weakness, and in fear, and in much trembling. And my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of men's wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power, that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. 1 Corinthians 2, verses 1 to 5. So Paul did not come to the Corinthians in a proud way, but in humility, and so now he is challenging the believers and those that rebelled against him earlier of the assembly at Corinth, and he is directing his this last chapter to those who accused him earlier before things have settled. And so now in these last chapters, we will notice that as the Apostle Paul is writing in this letter. But in this 10th chapter, the Corinthians did not quite understand the various aspects and area of ministry. And so the Apostle Paul, in chapter 10, verses 1 to 6, he is really presenting before them how to wage a spiritual warfare, you know, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and power, the rulers of darkness in the heavenlies. And so Paul is going to share with the Corinthians in chapter 10 of the second letter how to wage spiritual warfare. If we are going to be victoriously uh, living the life of the believer here under the sun in this world, as believers, as part of the ecclesia, the called out one, how do we handle spiritual warfare? Secondly, in verses 7 to 11, Paul will continue to instruct and help the Corinthians to understand as to how to use spiritual authority. You know, God had given authority to special uh, individuals, or certain individuals, various authorities in the local assemblies, in, in homes, in, in various areas of our work, of the work of the Lord. Well, how to use spiritual authority? This is also very important to understand. And finally, in verses 12 to 18, Paul will help the Corinthians to measure, how to measure spiritual ministry. Is your ministry, my ministry, our ministry, is Paul ministry, or any ministry of every one of us who serve the Lord and every believer, is your service for the Lord, is spiritual? How do we measure spiritual service 
for the Lord. And so in verses 1 to 6, he begins to expound as he writes to the Corinthians as to how to wage spiritual warfare. In verses 1 and 2, Paul beseeched the Corinthians and not to listen to what some others says about him. Notice he says, Now I, Paul, myself beseech you by the meekness and gentleness of Christ, who in presence am base among you, but being absent, I am bold toward you. But I beseech you that I may not be bold when I am present with that confidence wherewith I think to be bold against some, notice the word some here, which think of us as if we walked according to the flesh. So you notice how he began. In these first two verses of Second Corinthians chapter 10, Paul is really beseeching the Corinthians not to listen to some. Notice the word some that he's using here in this text here. Because some say certain things about the Apostle Paul. Who does he think he is? He takes authority that is not his. He is proud and arrogant. He is uh, this, that, and the other. Accusing, you know, many times it's so easy to accuse the spiritual leaders in the body of Christ, the body of Messiah. It happened historically among our people of Israel as well. When they accuse Moshe and they accuse others, Joshua, and they accused the prophets and so on, and the, the nation of Israel accused their leaders. And that is very similar today in the church age. Oftentimes there is accusation against the spiritual leaders, as the apostle Paul himself, Shaul Paul, was accused also. So it's not something out of this world to say, well, they accused. Even Paul, even Yeshua the Messiah was accused by the spiritual leaders in the time when he was here on earth. Well, that's the human nature. And that is what the Apostle Shaul Paul wants to develop in the mindset and the hearts of the believers at Corinth. He said to them, I beseech you, and I beseech you on the basis of the meekness and the gentleness of Christ, of the Messiah. You remember when Yeshua was here on earth and how meek and gentle he was here as he served among his people Israel here when he was in his public ministry. You remember the invitation in Matthew 11 verse 28 and 29, Come unto me all you that labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest. This is the rest of salvation. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest to your soul. This is the rest of the followers of Yeshua, Jesus the Messiah. He's offering the rest of salvation, Yeshua, salvation, peace with God, but he's offering also the peace of God. You shall find rest unto your souls as you learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart. Matthew eleven twenty eight and 29, well, Paul, Shaul, saying, I beseech you by the meekness and gentleness of Christ, who, notice, in present and base among you. In other words, I'm, I'm the lowest from among you. But be now absent, I'm not with you now, but when I'm away from you, I'm bold to tell you certain things. 
but I beseech you that I may not be bold when I am present. In other words, I don't want to be boldly telling you things when I'm with you because there are some among you that are accusing me. Notice verse 2. But I beseech you that I may not be bold when I am present with that confidence wherewith I think to be bold against some. Notice the word for some. Some what? Which think of us as if we walk according to the flesh. So, notice that. You know, you and I might say as we read the writings of Shaul Paul, the epistles, all these 13 epistles, we might say, well, Paul must have been such a godly man. Now, he was not perfect, like all of us are not perfect, but Paul sought to please the Lord, and he's just beseeching the believers at Corinth not to listen to those who accused him that he was walking in the flesh or walking according to the flesh. Now, you see, when we are in Christ, we are no longer in the flesh. We are in Christ, in the Messiah. But even those who are in Christ can, at times when they are not living in a good, healthy relationship with the Lord, they can walk after the flesh. In other words, they are in Christ positionally, but they are walking carnally, and they are walking after the flesh. So, Shaul Paul is emphasizing this here, beloved brothers and sisters. Some which think of us, verse 2 at the end, as if we walked according or after the flesh. And Paul is saying, I beseech you. You know, when Paul beseeched the brethren, he beseeched them. Twice he's using the word, I beseech. In verse 1, now I, Paul, mentioning his name, I, Paul, myself beseech you. Verse 2, but I beseech you that I may not be bold. I don't want to come and be bold to point to you that you have been listening to those that spoke in such a way against us that we are walking according to the flesh and not according to the Holy Spirit of God. He said, when I come, I don't want to speak like this to you because I want you already to understand not to listen to these some, and that also these some will change your mind, and we realize that Paul really, what he said and what he did for the benefit of the Corinthians was not done in the power of the flesh. It's amazing to see how Paul was, in a sense, opening his heart to the Corinthians. And he continued now in verses 3 to 6, not only that he beseeched the Corinthians not to listen to what some said about him, but Paul now answered to those who think of him in such a manner. Now he's giving them an answer from among the Corinthians in verses 3 to 6, and he's speaking directly to them. Notice verse 3, though we walk in This as human, we do not uh, depend on our flesh here. In verse 3 he says, For though we walk in the flesh, we're still here in this body, we still have this sin nature, but yet we do not walk 
after the flesh. You see the difference? You see? The expression, we do not walk after the flesh, that means that we are not, the flesh is not that which governs our lives. We are seeking to walk in the Spirit, to walk in according with the guidance of the Holy Spirit of God and not allowing the flesh to take control over our life. And when he used the word for flesh, he doesn't mean the skin that is on the bones. What he means here about the old sin nature that we all have, beloved brothers and sisters. The flesh is the sin nature, you know, that we have. And we have this sin nature that's still within us. And we are struggling here in this world because of this sin nature. And therefore, Paul is dealing uh, with this by telling those who accuse him that he is not walking after the flesh. So, this is essential for all of us, beloved brothers and sisters, to understand. That's why Paul is writing so strongly to the Corinthians about this. You will notice, by the way, that he continues in verse 4, For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imagination and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ, and having in a readiness to uh, revenge all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. So what happened here? In the next verses, actually verses 3, 4, 5, and 6, the Apostle Paul presents before us here what kind of, of warfare is going on and how to handle a warfare in the life of the believer. And he's speaking about himself and those that are with him who are constantly under opposition, Satan attacking them, the world is influencing them, those who claim to be believers are against them, those who are not believers are opposing them, And they are in a war. And you remember elsewhere, the Apostle Paul will say to the Ephesians, in Ephesians chapter 6, he will say, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. So Paul is saying, listen, he says in verse 4 now, for the weapons that we are using in this warfare are not carnal. Oh no, they are not carnal. We are not using them. We are not trying to win uh, spiritual things with our flesh, with our carnality. You see, a believer, a Christian, follower of Christ, follower of the Messiah, can be carnal. First Corinthians 2 tells us. But the spiritual-minded believers, they still have this warfare here in this world, 
But the first thing that he is mentioning here, that the weapons that he and those who serve with him using is, number one, not carnal. Not carnal at all because carnality is, in other words, being fleshy, being guided by the human nature. It's not that which pleasing the Lord. And that's why if you remember in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, Paul said about the carnal one. He says in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 verse 14, For the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit, for they are foolishness unto him, neither can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. This is the natural man, this is the unbeliever. But then he says, but here's a spiritual man, but he that is spiritual judges all things, yet he himself judges of no man. But then in chapter 3 of 1 Corinthians, he said, And I, brethren, could not speak unto you as unto spiritual, but as unto carnal, even as unto babes in Christ, babes in the Messiah. So the Corinthians were carnal. They were believers, they were saints, but they were carnal saints. But Paul says, no, no. Our weapons of warfare are not carnal. We are not fighting, we are not wrestling here in this world with our own flesh. We don't do so. Secondly, notice that he continues, and he says now in the next verse, in the or same verse, verse 4, but they are mighty through God. In other words, our weapons of warfare are not carnal, number one, but number two, they are mighty, they are powerful, but they are powerful through God. It is God that worketh this within us. He is the one that assists us in our spiritual warfare. But he continued, and he says, notice this, not only that we are not using the weapon carnally in the flesh, and that we are strengthened, and our weapons are mighty, but it is through God, through God the Holy Spirit. But this a mighty, powerful ability to do this warfare, we are able, because of the help of God, to pull down strongholds. In other words, because we lean on God for the spiritual warfare, we are able to pull down even strongholds. You know, there are many strongholds in this world for God's people. There are many strongholds. In the Hebrew, the word is mivtsarim, a stronghold. Other translation called it strongholds or, you know, places where there is fortress, places that are, we are somehow inside or there are things that are causing us fortresses in our lives that keeps us and keep others from living for God. And there are very areas in our life, in the life of God's people, that are sadly causing them, pulling them down away from the Lord, certain weaknesses and failure and attractions and desires and motivation that have become like a stronghold in our life. Paul says, no, 
We are weapons, uh, number one, not carnal. Number two, they are strong through God. And number three, they are able to pull down many, many strongholds. Many, many uh, fortresses that are, seems to be strong, but with the help of the Lord, He can defeat them and help them along. And if there are some of us that might have various strongholds in our lives that cause us to stumble and not uh, fight the fight, the spiritual warfare in a, with the strength of the Lord and not in, in the flesh, there are strongholds that the Lord is able to mightily pull it down to help us, like it helps Paul and those that were with him. And the Corinthians needed to learn that. He continued, and he says, look what the, the mighty strength of God is able to help us in this victory. Is verse 5 now, casting down imagination, you know, imagination, to cast down all sort of human imagination, beloved uh, brothers and sisters, imagination that rise up in the mind of men, casting down arguments, uh, casting down every proud obstacle, casting down uh, proud things that are raised and happen in our life, anything that the weapon which is God's strength, uh, help us to cast down imagination, human arguments, proud obstacles, because we do not do it in the power of our flesh, but in the power of God. And then notice, he continues in verse 5, and notice, not only casting down imagination, but casting down every high thing that exalts himself against the knowledge of God. You see, beloved brothers and sisters, everyone and every mind, every against everything and everyone and every high thing that exalts himself against the knowledge of God. We know better than God, some say. What God said in his word is not correct, some say. Some say, well, we know better than God. And Paul says, no, no, no. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal. The weapons of our warfare are mighty through God. The weapons of our warfare are able to pull down stronghold. The weapons of our warfare is casting down imagination. The weapon of our warfare is uh, casting down every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. And notice that, number six, the weapon of our warfare, verse 5b at the end, is able to bring into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. In other words, when we use these spiritual weapons, which is the strength that comes from God, we are able to to fight that warfare, to wage that spiritual warfare, and to defeat everything that is before us. Not to do it in the flesh. We are able to pull down strongholds. We are able to cast down human imagination. We are able to cast down every high thing that exalts itself against God. 
We are able to bring into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Now that's amazing what the Apostle Paul is saying unto the believers at Corinth. You remember the verse that we read in Ephesians uh, chapter 6 and verse 10. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord, not in yourself, but in the power of His strength. This is such an amazing truth to learn, beloved brothers and sisters. We cannot trust ourselves. We often time fail when we don't allow God to lead us. To our people of old, God says in Zechariah, beloved brothers and sisters, God said, to Israel, and the word of the Lord came to Zerubbabel, the leader of the nation of Israel, in verse 6 of Zechariah chapter 4. Then he answered, and he spake unto me, saying, This is the word of the Lord unto Zerubbabel, saying, Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord. לא בחיל ולא בכוח, כי אם ברוחי אמר אדוני צבאות. God said, it is not by might, not by power, by human power, not by your flesh, but it is by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. This is the very same lesson that Shaul Paul is seeking to teach the Corinthians who were accusing him and speaking against him, and saying that he came in the flesh, he was not really doing what he did in the power of God, he had to correct them and said to them in verses 3, 4, 5, and 6, he said, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God, to the pulling down of the of stronghold, casting down imagination and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, and bringing into captivity every thought, notice that, to the obedience of Mashiach, of Messiah. And if there is anyone who pleased God, from the day that he was born until the day that he died, the Lord Yeshua, Jesus, the Messiah. He is the one that did always the thing that pleased the Father. You remember what we read about the Lord Jesus? John 4 and verse 34. Jesus says, My meat and my drink is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. Chapter 6 of John, verse 38 and 38. Nine, we read Yeshua's word, For I came down from heaven, not to do my own will, but to do the will of him that sent me. What an amazing testimony Yeshua, the Messiah, had to say to the, the Jewish people when he was here among his Jewish people in the land of Israel. Well, Paul 
He is the following of our Lord Jesus Christ, Jesus the Messiah. He is instructing in verses 1 to 6 that how you are going to wage spiritual warfare, beloved brothers and sisters of the Corinthians. Here it is. I don't do so in, in carnality in the flesh, but I do so in the power, in the mighty hand of God, in the power of the Holy Spirit of God. And now in verses 7 to 11, as he moved for verse 6, he's telling them, and having in a readiness to revenge all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. He says, really, we have readiness to go against all disobedience. Because disobedience is that which do not please God. He said, when your obedience is fulfilled, what, how beautiful it is when to see an evidence of your obedience to the Lord when you are here. God's people are to be obedient, beloved brothers and sisters. This is exactly what we all need. Sadly, we fail in this many times, beloved brothers and sisters. The apostle Yohanan, that is John, wrote in Second John, and in verse 5 he said, and now I beseech thee, lady, not as though I wrote a new commandment unto thee, but that which we had from the beginning, that we love one another, uh, John has written to the believers. And uh, how wonderful, in verse 4 he said, I rejoice greatly that I found of thy children walking in truth as we have received a commandment from the Father. So, walking in truth, loving one another, walking in love and in obedience to the Lord is a desire of God, and it was a desire of the Apostle Paul for the Corinthians as well. Now we are moving along to the next portion, how to use spiritual authority. Paul is speaking of himself. He's opening his heart to the Corinthian believers. As he is writing them in, uh, to them in 2 Corinthians 10, verses 7, 8, 9, 10, and 11, how to use spiritual authority. Don't look on the outward appearance, he's saying to them. In verse 7, he said, Do ye look on things after the outward appearance? If any man trusts to himself that he is Christ, or he is the Messiah, belong to Christ, belong to the Messiah, let him of himself think this again, that as he is Christ, even so are we belonging to Christ. We belong to the Messiah. We belong to the Lord Jesus. In other words, you know, don't look outward only, but recognize that the Lord knows our hearts. And the Lord knows everything about everyone. So, he's saying in verse 7, Do not look on things after the outward appearance. Doesn't it remind us when King David was going to be chosen to be the king of Israel? You know, when Shmuel uh, came to the family of Yishai, that is Jesse, to look out for a king to reign instead of Shaul, who failed the Lord. And when Yishai, that is Jesse, presented his sons before the Lord, we find out that the Lord had to remind Samuel that the Lord is looking on the heart. The Lord knows the heart of everyone. 
that belongs to him and serves him. And so Samuel needed to learn that the Lord is looking on the heart. Man looketh on the outward appearance, but the Lord looketh on the heart. This is so beautiful to see. The Lord look on the heart of David. And he see the inside and he saw that he was a man after God's own heart. And therefore be careful. Do not look on things of outward appearance. If any man trusts to himself that he belongs to the Lord, okay, let him of himself think this again. Well, make sure that you are right with the Lord, that you belong to the Lord. We also belong to the Lord. We know it because of our relationship with him, Paul is saying to the Corinthians. And then he continued to speak about authority. And he speak of authority that was given to him for edification. He says in verse 8, For though I should boast somewhat more of our authority, which the Lord has given us for edification and not for your destruction, I should not be ashamed. He says, even if I will present my authority before you, and if I boast in it, I'm not boasting it in it because I gained it on my own. I received this authority from the Lord, which the Lord has given us. And you notice he used the word us because Paul never wanted to exalt himself. He's speaking about others. Although he was the apostle, others were serving with the apostle, but he's using the word us. And I think he would apply this to you and I as well. Whatever measure of authority the Lord has given to us in our life, He wants us to recognize that this authority was given to us in order that we will edify and bless others and glorify the Lord. Paul did not want to seem as if he is testifying unto the Corinthian and terrifying them that they will be afraid of him. He didn't want them but he had an apostolic authority. In verse 9 he says, That I, this is Paul, may not seem as if I would terrify you by letters. You see, I'm writing to you these letters, but I'm not writing them in order for me to terrify you, to scare you, but I'm writing to you in order that you will be convicted and restored to the Lord. In verse 10 He's telling these Corinthians that some of them, this is very sad, some there said that Paul's letters were powerful, but Paul really had no authority, and that he is weak when he is present with them. But in that Paul's speech was really contemptible, really not good, as they were accusing him here. In verse 10, beloved brothers and sisters, notice that, and I'm reading this, for his letters, you see, they are saying, for his letters say they, that they is the sum among the Corinthians who were really rebelling against the Lord and rebelling against the authority, the apostolic authority of Shaul Paul. They are, it says, they say how weighty and powerful his letters and that his bodily presence is weak because when you look at Paul, he didn't look like some sort of a, you know, man with... He looked like a simple Jewish man 
who was just among his brethren and among his people and reaching out with the message of the gospel. He was just another person that he came to serve the Lord. And then they say that his speech was really worthless, amounts to nothing, have no account, amount to to really nothing, contemptible, they say, about him. Some from among the Corinthians, this is pretty sad when they were speaking about the one that came to minister to them and to lead them to the Lord Jesus, the Messiah. In verse 11, Paul did not want anyone to think that his letters were written. Notice verse 11, let such an one who think this, that such as we are in word by letters, when we are absent, such will we be also indeed when we are present. He says, let none of you think for a moment that I am just writing this letter when I am far away from you, and I'm not going to speak like this when I'm present with you. Oh, I can assure you, he's, he's telling them that when I will come, I will tell you everything to your face in a humble way, in a proper way, not in pride and arrogance. He's saying in this verse, beloved brothers and sisters, so Paul really longed to encourage the Corinthians. So he's saying to them, notice, such people, you know, that we're speaking about, let such as one think this, that such as we are in word by letter, when we are absent, such will we be also indeed when we are present. We will be just the same when we will come to you, we'll speak honestly with you, we'll speak graciously with you in the authority that the Lord had given unto us, uh, but it will be only for your benefit, not for anything else. And so, beloved brothers and sisters, you notice what Paul, Shaul Paul, is doing here. In Second Corinthians chapter 10, number one, he's teaching the Corinthian, presenting before the Corinthian how to wage spiritual warfare, that he himself waging spiritual warfare in the power of God. Secondly, he's presenting before the Corinthian how to use spiritual authority, and he's showing to them that his spiritual authority was given to him by God, and whatever he's saying to them when he's far away through the letter, he will say to them the same thing when he is present with them. But he will do it in humility and with a godly authority. And thank God when someone behave like this for the benefit of God's people. Well, now in the last verses of Second Corinthians chapter 10, verses 12 to 18, Paul is emphasizing the third thing. How? to measure your spiritual service for the Lord. How do you measure that? How do I measure it? How does Paul measure it? Any service that we do for the Lord, is it carnal ministry or spiritual ministry? And how to measure it in a godly way, how to value it. And so in verse 12 onward, Paul is emphasizing this to the Corinthians. In verse 12, here's a false measurement. And he says, notice that, beloved brothers and sisters, he says, for we dare not make ourselves of the number or compare ourselves with some that commend themselves, 
but they measuring themselves by themselves and comparing themselves among themselves. They are not wise. Anytime and how careful we all have to be. God gave you a service for the Lord. God gave me. God gave another brother, another sister, another a believer any service for the Lord. We should never measure our service for the Lord by comparing ourselves with one another. We dare not make ourselves of those numbers that compare themselves with some that commend themselves. You know, some people commend themselves. They speak about themselves and how great they are and how this they did. We, of course, need to share with others what the Lord is doing, but not to exalt oneself, but to share the word for encouragement and for information. But ministry needs to be done in such a way that we don't measure ourselves and compare ourselves and commend ourselves. No. The Lord has to be the one who will commend His own people. And so, this is wrong, He's saying here. We need not compare ourselves with others, especially when there, is, when there are those that commend themselves. That's wrong. In verse 13, on to the end of the chapter, to verse 18, here's a true measurement, spiritual measurement. We need to ask ourselves some questions about the service and the ministry that the Lord had given to us and how we are handling the service that the Lord had given us to do. True measurement is, first of all, to ask ourselves, am I where God wants me to be? Do I do what God wants me to do? And where I, where God wants me to be. Notice verse 13 and 14. But we will not boast of things without our measure, but according to the measure of the rule which God has distributed to us, a measure to, to, to reach even unto you. For we stretch not ourselves beyond our measure, as though we reached not unto you. For we are come as far as to you also in preaching the gospel of Christ. You see, God has given Paul a field to serve him. God has given you and I a certain field to serve him. Paul used whatever the Lord had given to him. And he had arrived to the Corinthians. He shared with them the gospel. When you read in Acts chapter 18, you will notice how Paul have arrived to Corinth and share the message of the gospel. We read in chapter 18 of the book of Acts, After these things Paul departed from Athens and came to Corinth, and he found a certain Jew by the name of Aquila, born in Pontius, uh, Italy, came from Italy with his wife Priscilla, and so on. Notice what he did. He was first of all being a tent maker with them, serving with them as a tent maker, but then he went to the synagogue on every Shabbat, and he ministered to his own brethren. You remember, he himself set up this principle, I am not ashamed of the gospel of the Messiah, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believes to the Jew first. 
and also unto the Greek. He always went first to his own Jewish people. This is the field and the service that the Lord had given him initially, and then also to the Greek, and he went to the Gentiles after. Some Jewish people accept him. Some Jewish people rejected him. Some Gentile people accepted him. Some Gentile people rejected him. But he had done the sphere that the Lord had given unto him. And then, of course, he went later on. Many of the Corinthians hearing, believing him as he was preaching the gospel there in the various areas in Corinth after he left there the synagogue. And apparently he was for a month and a half there ministering the gospel, leading people to, the, to come to know the Messiah, to know Jesus, and to accept the Lord. And so Paul is saying in verses 13 and 14 of our chapter, we will not boast of things without our measure, but according to the measure of the rule which God has distributed unto us, a measure to reach even unto you. God have, have sent us in your direction. He continued to say, for we, we stretch not ourselves beyond our measure. We're not going beyond what the Lord had given to us. So though we reach not unto you, for we are come as far as to you also in preaching the gospel of Christ, the gospel of the Messiah. So, first of all, to ask, where am I where God wants me to be? Am I in a sphere of service where God wants me to be? Every one of us have to ask ourselves this question. Is this the ministry that the Lord gave me to do? That is essential. Beloved brothers and sisters, you see, God gave Paul the field that he was going to serve. And do you remember where we read in Acts chapter 9? In verse 15, we do read, But the Lord said unto him, Go thy way, for he, that is Paul, is a chosen, this is Shaul, Paul, he is a chosen vessel unto me to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. For I will show him how great things he must suffer for my name's sake. God gave Paul, Yeshua gave Paul, a ministry to minister, and a sphere of service that he gave to Paul. He didn't give it to you, he didn't give it to me. He gave each and every one of us a service to do in our sphere that he had called us to. In Acts 22, we do read in verse 21, And he said unto me, Depart, for I will send thee far hence unto the Gentiles. He became the apostle to the uncircumcision. You see, beloved brothers and sisters, that is what Paul is sharing with the Corinthians. Are you where God wants you to be? Paul says, I am where God called me to be, where the Lord Jesus the Messiah called me to, to be. I am reaching to the Gentiles. I have arrived to you, Corinthians. Again, verse 14. For we are come as far as to you also in preaching the gospel of Christ. Secondly, true measurement. How we need to ask ourselves 
those three questions, am I where God wants me to be? Paul says, here I am. I am where God wanted me to be. I have reached you. I am called to be an apostle to the uncircumcision, to the Gentiles, to the nations. And I came to you and I preached the gospel unto you. Secondly, is God glorified by the ministry that Paul ministered? Or you and I, or anyone who served the Lord. This is the second question that one has to ask himself. Verses 15, 16, and 17. Notice that. Verse 15. Not boasting of things without our measure, that is, of other men's labor, but having hope when your faith is increased, that we shall be enlarged by you according to our rule abundantly to preach the gospel in the regions beyond you and not to boast in another man's line of things made ready to our hand. But he that glories, let him glory in the Lord. Now this is important. Do we do ministry for the glory of the Lord? Paul says, I do my ministry for the glory of the Lord. I'm not boasting of things without our measure. Notice he used the word boasting here, verse 15, verse 16, verse 17. Not boasting. Verse 16, and not to boast in another man's line of things made ready to our hand. Somebody else will have another ministry. We are not boasting this and taking it for ourselves, saying as if we did so. The Lord used that man, that servant in his service. And thirdly, but he that glories, if you want to glory, if I want to glory, and Paul saying, I am glorying, we are glorying in the Lord. We are not glorying in ourselves because our ministry need to glorify God, and not to glorify ourselves. This is a fascinating statement that Apostle Paul is mentioning here to the uh, Corinthians. This is, beloved uh, brothers and sisters, is something we all need to learn. You know, I'm thinking of when Paul said, but he that glorious, let him glory in the Lord. He, of course, as a Jewish man looking back at the history of Israel when Jeremiah the prophet um, spoke to the nation of Israel in chapter 9, in Jeremiah 9, verse 23 and 24, what the Lord desired from everyone that belongs to him. In verse 23 and 24 of Jeremiah chapter 9, Jeremiah by the word of the Lord said to Israel, Thus says the Lord, Let not the wise man glory in his wisdom. Neither let the mighty man glory in his might. Let not the rich man glory in his riches. But let him that glorieth glorieth in this. That he understand and knoweth me, God says. That I am the Lord which exercises loving kindness, judgment, and righteousness in the earth. For in these things I delight, says the Lord. Can you imagine, beloved brothers and sisters, how God said to his earthly people, Israel, look, don't glory in your wisdom, don't glory in your power, don't glory in your riches, but glory in this, 
that you understand and that you know God. And that you understand the loving kindness of God. The justice of God. And the righteousness of God here upon the face of this earth. God delight. The Lord delight when His own people have come to a point that they glory in Him. We can glory in our Lord Yeshua the Messiah because of who He is and because of what He has done for us. Thanks be unto God for His unspeakable gift. The gift that was given to undeserved people such as us all. And so Paul is instructing the Corinthian that you see the true measurement of the ministry that God gave to his people are measured. Number one, am I where God wants me to be? Is God glorified by my service for him? Verse 17, But he that glorious, let him glory in the Lord. And finally, in conclusion of this, 2 Corinthians 10, in verse 18, the Apostle Paul teaches the third lesson of true arguments concerning the measurement of the service that one does for the Lord. Can the Lord command the ministry, the service that you do? Is it really done for Him? Can He command this? Can He command you? Can He command me? Can He command us? You see, in verse 12, Paul said to the Corinthian, For we are not making ourselves of the number of those that compare themselves with themselves and commend themselves. No, no. We do not commend ourselves. We leave it to the Lord to do so. And he closed the letter, the 10th chapter with verse 18, by saying, For not he that commendeth himself is approved, but whom the Lord Commendeth. Only whom the Lord commendeth is approved. Only whom the Lord commendeth is the one that can be approved in his ministry. And that's really searching our hearts, beloved brothers and sisters. When the Lord commend his servants, they are blessed. They are blessed, beloved brothers and sisters, this is so important. In First Corinthians chapter three, we do read in verse ten, we read, according to the grace of God which is given unto me, as a wise master builder I have laid a foundation, and another buildeth thereon, but let every man take heed how he buildeth thereupon. How do we do the work of the Lord? Can the Lord command your ministry and my ministry and any one of us, beloved friends, dear brothers and sisters, your service for the Lord? Can He command you for that? 
Notice that in Second Corinthians, in this book, in this chapter, in this second book, chapter five, and verse ten, we do read, "For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that every one may receive the things done in his body according to that he has done, whether it be good or bad." Am I where God wants me to be? Is God glorified by my ministry? Can the Lord command my ministry? Paul is saying to the Corinthians. And he says as far as he is concerned. He himself was in the will of the Lord. And he wanted the Corinthians to understand, especially those that spoke against him. He didn't want that the remaining believers in Corinth will listen to their sayings. And that's how he began that tenth chapter. I, Paul, myself beseech you by the meekness and gentleness of Christ, whom in present am base among you, but being absent am I bold towards you. Ah, but I beseech you that I may not be bold when I am present with the confidence wherewith I think to be bold against some, which think of us as if we walked according to the flesh. Brethren, we did not walk according to the flesh. We ministered to you and we sought to lead you not only to salvation, but to lead you spiritually in your life, that you will be able to serve the Lord Jesus the Messiah. May God help us all as we seek to serve the Lord. May God help us to be humble before Him. And may He speak to all of our hearts for His glory and for the honor of our Lord Yeshua, Jesus the Messiah. Well, my dear friend, God bless you. Until the next time, we say to you, Shalom, Shalom.